listening to episode 190 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Wayne as we continue our look at the Netflix Showcase Canada co-production Travelers, starring Eric McCormick and Mackenzie Porter. We are here on the East Coast awaiting the silent assassin, a.k.a. Yeah. the White Death. A.k.a. Snow. A.K.A. Snow, exactly. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's been a while since we've had this conversation on the air. And yeah. I think we, we've always acknowledged that uh, most of you guys out there are just telling us to shut the hell up, suck it up, and go to work if you have to. But Yeah, not in Maryland, man. Nah, yeah, and, you know, look, at this point, we, we, we made it to March 13th, yeah. and it's like, come on, let's just forget the snow. Let's get this right. school year over with. Yeah, and then, let's move on. But it uh, doesn't look It'll like that's cool. going to be, be the nice case. Stuff. The kids are all jazzed. And, you know, they're all excited and everything. And, well, the, you know. the problem is you don't know how late to stay up. I'm, I'm right. I mean, you stay up late anyway, but yeah. or, or certainly <laughs> much later than I do. Yeah, right. You don't want to like, uh, you know, take the take the chance to, to go and, you know, stay up like it's a weekend and then, you know, get burned the next morning. Oh, my God. I could not sleep at all last night I, i'm telling you i listened to two whole rush albums on my ipod <laughs> lying in bed i it's, oh. i don't know what it was you know it's like i wasn't yeah. worried about anything i didn't have anything on the horizon it was just i couldn't sleep yeah and man did i pay for it today oh Whew. dear but uh oh, good thing we're going a little earlier today yeah right? and had a little power nap but i'm still feeling a little bit tired so uh we'll power through it and all right man hang in there yep but before we get to that, Wayne and I want to remind you, we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab, record your own audio clip and send us the MP3 as an attachment, or just tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch and encourage you as always to join the Facebook group and join the discussions there. Now, as I was mentioning to you before we went on the air, we're going to have some announcements, uh, in, in the next couple of weeks, it, nothing major. We're going to have a little URL change that might force you guys to resubscribe at iTunes or Stitcher, but I, I'll keep you uh, apprised of, of where we are on that. And I don't know how seamless it's going to be, but it shouldn't be that bad. So fortunately, we've got the Facebook group and the Twitter account to get that info out there. So, all right. Well, great episode tonight. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that discussion in a second. But what I did notice, I, I, I just wanted to bring this up as I don't know about you. I suspect you're the same as you guys out there as well. You look something up on IMDb and then the next thing you know, you're it's on, a rabbit hole. Oh, exactly. But yeah. Leah Cairns, who plays McLaren's wife, Kat, and, mm -hmm. you know, she didn't appear in the episode we're going to talk about. But I noticed in my research that she played racetrack, one of the Viper pilots in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, well, you see a lot of, like, BSG alums here. You know, I, but, I, again, like, it's the kind of like the the community, right? Well, it is, but I guess I figured, well, she was in 32 episodes of, of BSG, as it turns out. I thought, geez, I, I can't imagine. I don't remember her, so I'm going to have to go back and at least queue up one of the episodes she's uh, in. To, uh, sounds like a rewatch, man. Well, you know, I've attempted a couple of BSG rewatches and I get through the three-hour pilot and then it's just so daunting. Of, yeah. So at some point, actually, I think one of the listeners out there posted in the Facebook group a, a while ago about whether or not we were ever going to do a BSG rewatch. 
That's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Certainly not all four seasons. Uh, but once you get once you get started well, on one, you know, it's yeah, just, I know. It's just that's, like pulling the thread, you know. That's like, a two year commitment, though. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. So yeah, well, you know, we'll talk about that at another time. So. Yeah. All right, well, why don't we get into this episode before we get too far off base? And this one is episode five of season one, entitled Room 101, written by Brad Wright, directed by Martin Wood, and it aired originally November 14th, 2016. And right off the bat, Room 101 as a title doesn't really bode well, you know? No, yeah, it sounds definitely an ominous sounding title for sure. Yeah, and, and I mean, this episode... You mentioned you're going to give it an A. I'm certainly giving it an A. I considered adding a plus, but not not quite there yet. Yeah, so. but I was so like just amped at the end of this episode. Just like I was like, you know how like you watch a really good episode, you know it like as soon as it's done. Yeah, and, like you're just like, holy cow, that was that was awesome, right? And you think that in terms of setting. It's really just in this warehouse, yeah. and, and it's certainly in the one room where they've got the four cages. Actually, it's five cages, because, and, and we'll get to that in a little bit as well. And then the room where they would take them one by one and put them in front of the television monitor. Right. And then, of course, McLaren on the outside trying to track them down. But but really, there was not a lot of movement. There was not a lot of physical action, yet despite that, it was just such a heavy hitting yeah. and really meaningful. I mean, there was a lot revealed in a this episode. A lot revealed, yes. So, very intense episode, though. Very intense. And, and in terms of the acting, I mean, I, I mentioned uh, Mackenzie Porter, you know, in, in the episode intro, along with Eric McCormick. But that certainly doesn't mean to slight the others. I, I would say of the characters in this episode, Philip probably had the least impact. I mean, it was really to a large extent, Marcy, Carly, and, and then certainly Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. But yet how much, like, I mean, like just with the, the little that we get to Philip, it was like super powerful, like knowing what, you know, like he's going through withdrawal symptoms and then even worse when they, they shoot him up. With, I assume sodium pentothal was the other drug. Yeah, I, I I guess. I mean, some sort of truth serum, and, right. and he, he recognizes that right away, and, and and certainly he fights it off. But, you know, but well, you know, so before we go further, you, you, the four of them have apparently been held for three days, right? right. I mean, I mean that's, that's what it looks like. That's what they say at the end, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we receive a certain amount of clarity through bits and pieces of information. And, and while the four are being held, we learn that apparently they volunteered because that's certainly been a point of contention through the first four podcasts. Like, you know, wh- whether or not they mean, volunteered. You mean something that we were wondering about, right? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. We got that. Check, check that one off. Okay. Right. They volunteered. Cause we were wondering like, you know, how they pick people. I assume there's still some kind of like, you know, like each person gets an assignment. We, we start to see more now of what we actually have seen before, but you know, that there are specific roles for each person in the, in the team. Right. And we wondered about McLaren and Carly. So perhaps they volunteered together. Still, it, it, it raises the issue why the director would allow them to serve together. That's typically not what the military likes to do for, for obvious reasons. 
We've also talked about when they're from, and of course, that became a, a large part of this episode. Yeah. And it may be that they're from 2144. We'll get to that in a little bit. Apparently, their future, the water's polluted. But we also learned, you just mentioned about uh, each has an individual job assigned to him or her. And we learned that historians have been modified, assumed to enhance their memory skills. But I found that really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess the other thing would be like, they're just finding these super talented people with excellent memories. But um... Well, you wonder, I mean, you wonder, was, was Marcy enhanced with medical knowledge? I mean, was Carly enhanced with, uh, you know, physical combat skills? And to to a certain extent, you know, the the, I guess, the emotional desire to take care of this child, in light of the fact of the mission, which is kind of important, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, protocol five, protocol five. But I guess what this episode really drives home for me is the lack of autonomy that the teams really enjoy. And that the director, if in fact that's who's behind this episode, is aware of everything going on in 2016. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, but I, well, yeah, I mean, totally. Obviously, the directors are completely aware of everything because, like, they send like those little kidograms basically right oh, after. I like the, that. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I did not feel at all that this was something run by the directors. So who do you think then? I don't know. Okay, Because whoever it is is pretty powerful. I mean, is it another team? Are they sending teams from different points in time? Wow, how cool would that be? The whole question, when are you from, is like indicates that it's like maybe some, you know, regular earth group that has, you know, kind of figured out what's going on here. Well, okay, that could be, but I'm, I'm still, I can't let go of the idea that perhaps they're sending teams back in waves right so that the when becomes oh. important for a reason that we right. don't know good point good point at this point is there only one representative holding the team i mean we only see that one guy who oh my god when he gets his wrist bitten ah man oh that was difficult to watch what a, that's like man like what a horrible horrible way to go all right so <laughs> now whoever is responsible for taking the team there had to be an easier way to grab them than a car crash yeah right uh i don't know yeah like because you know wtf like how did they well i guess that's that's the thing they just it, it becomes immaterial right sure like to really think about the ins and outs because if we had seen them and then like the guys get out of the car and just take the people out of the car that just got in the crash and drive off with them I'd probably raise some, you know, some suspicions. Yeah. Right. And, and and why? Now, I, I'm still under the impression, although I think talking to you just over the past couple minutes is making me think that the director is not involved, but whoever. Well, now I'm thinking that the. <laughs> now you're thinking it is the director. Well, regardless of who it is, why didn't they wait until all five of the members were together? Because they had five cages. Yeah. So was there another plan? Does he want to pair McLaren with a new team? I mean, I I, I don't know. But well, maybe they thought McLaren was in the car. But if they're aware of everything that's going on, I guess maybe they're not aware. Aware, they're only yeah. aware. I mean, 
now, we mentioned the emotionally powerful performances and, and really all around, all characters, including uh, McLaren. But I loved Trevor's condescending, mocking tone yeah. throughout the whole ordeal. Well, and he got like this is uh, you know as far as like zingers, man. Trevor was just throwing oh, he was out on left, fire. right, and center. <laughs> like he had some really good lines in this one. Yeah, but they're so, all his. Like all the really good lines he got, you know. Right, and and you know we mentioned Philip, and obviously his ability to fight against the truth drug, whatever it was. It was pretty powerful as well because, I mean, he's really taking one for the team, so to speak. And, and, and you know, I guess you could expand the team to the, the people he left behind in whatever year he's from. And then finally, we have another brief mention of Helios. Right. So there is that. Yeah, there is that. All right. All right. Well, why don't we take a look at the episode? Let's do it. Uh, opening scene, we, we've got a family of four. Right from in a, the start, man. Like, oh, like, my God. Ray just throws you. You're just like, what the? Because uh, you see the countdown, the family. Well, I love cold opens, yeah. speeding car, and clearly dad, who's at the wheel, and, and they're in a parking garage. It seems clear immediately he's intending to commit suicide. Well, and take his family with him. You know, it's it's so funny because would you think that if the countdown clock didn't show up, you know? Well, that's true. Yeah, you I mean, you're probably right from someone or anything. But we get the countdown clock, so we know. Oh, well, he's he's going to kill his family. He's going to commit suicide. Well, I guess the only and, and I agree with you. I guess the only thing he didn't seem to be looking over his shoulder as if he was, and plus he was going up rather than down. Right. Right. Uh, but I mean, like to think that. You know, to take that leap to think, oh, this guy's going to drive the car off the parking garage. I don't know if I would have gone there without the the countdown clock. But with the clock, that's obviously you go right there. You know, you know exactly why why it's happening. Right, and as a plot device, we're really getting used to it. And as you said, that that is immediately our first thought in a situation like this. But right, then, which is funny because you think about like the first episode where you're just like, what the hell is that? What does that mean? You know, like it took you about half the episode. And now, and now, like you said, the minute you see it, it's just like, boom, okay. That's so much so that, I mean, it's like really great how they've gone from something that was very confusing and perplexing and mysterious at first. Now is a really useful narrative tool, right? They use it as a narrative tool here to, to pass on information of, of what's going on. You know, all we get is a shot of a a family driving their car, the, the the rest of the family panicking, which normally we might question what it is. But with the narrative tool of the clock, boom, we, we know, oh, the guy's trying to kill his family. Yeah. And, you know, they pair it again with a visual of McLaren's team and they're just standing by and they're clearly waiting. And we immediately know, okay, coupling it with the countdown clock this is pretty much a traveler event, which of course is what it is. Right. But this time is our first experience with a misfire. Right. When only three of the four travelers successfully transfer, leaving the young daughter, who's supposed to be the team historian, terrified and still herself. And I got to tell you, Wayne, I wasn't certain they weren't going to just put a bullet in her head. Yeah. I don't know if I ever thought that. But yeah, certainly. I mean, you, the only reason I didn't think that is because they got you know McLaren there. You know. Well, and, and because the way they handled uh, last week's episode, right? And also, 
do, have we gotten the I, I I looked at the list of protocols. Have we gotten the one about not uh saving a life, not taking a life? I don't think so. Not yet. Okay. Well, Why, did you look at them? I did look at them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I should, I keep meaning to put a link in the show notes to to the uh showcase page. I'll have to do that. So, I I guess that's a little spoilerish, but you know, that being said, you know, there is that protocol, so that would maybe, you know, they of course, she was supposed to die anyway, right? Well, she was, of course. Yeah. And so now instead, she gets to go to grandma's, and Philip gives the team some cash and a tip yeah. on a racehorse. Yeah. Which I guess comes through as they're flying a helicopter later in the episode, right? Yeah. Oh, good point. I didn't think. Where, yeah, where, that, was like, where, that freaked me out, man. I'm like, who who is McLaren meeting that's flying the helicopter? I'm like, that's that's the new team. Like they've done well for themselves already. (laughs) So, all right, well, we've got two basic stories going on. You know, the a story where Marcy, Trevor, Carly, and Philip are being held prisoner after a car crash. And then the B story, which is uh, of course connected because it's McLaren on the outside searching for his missing team. And, and, and I, I really love the fact that he just has no information and watch him go from that point to being able to find the team. Yeah. But, I, you know what I don't see when I watch McLaren? I see no trace of, of the, the guy who played in Will and Grace. Oh, you know, you I know? forgot right episode like, one. I, yeah. Like, like that was maybe even slightly in the back of my mind then, but like now you watch him like, it's just like, I mean, hats off to, I mean, as an acting job, you know, that's, that's really how he can just, you know, can play this guy like because i mean those, he did a really good job with the acting because he had like you know he is he's so worried about his team like and he's so he's already getting stressed out as it is already trying to to juggle you know his you know the mission with uh continuing with grant mclaren's life he's just you know afraid almost beyond belief and now his team goes missing and you know the anxiety he, we see in his face it's just man just really good stuff Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and look, I mean, clearly he's a fine comedic actor, even though Will and Grace wasn't really my cup of tea. I could certainly acknowledge that he was really good at sure. comedic timing. But to me, the mark of the great actor is being able to do what he's doing. Now, I'm certainly I don't mean to put him in a class with De Niro, but but we knew De Niro as a serious actor. And then he, he was in the, the movies with Ben Stiller, who's his son-in-law. I forget the names of them. You know what yeah. I'm talking about. Uh, meet the parents and meet right. the and he, and he was just amazing. Yeah. 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 At comedy. So. Right. And uh, was that uh, Midnight Run? You ever see that movie? I have. Yeah. He was, he was really funny in that one, too. He was. So, all right, well, we talked about the misfires and Trevor points out that during the first wave, whatever that means, that uh, that 30% misfires uh, was the number that, that he had at hand. And I guess since he's the historian, we'll take him at his word. But the first wave, which then kind of goes back to what I was saying at the top of the show, that perhaps they've been sending teams out over the years. So, you know, when the question comes up on the monitor, when are you from? You know, we'll see, but right, right. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't see it like that before. But now you, you put it like that. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. That if, if this were a, a traveler group that had uh, picked them up, you know, they might ask, you know, what, like, what wave are you, right? 
Right. And, and when he mentions the 30% misfires, Carly and Marcy seem pretty su- surprised. And he says, well, would you have still volunteered? So you know, we get a little clarity on whether or not these are recruits, volunteers, or draftees. And then just as we're trying to kind of decide what the truth is, the car gets broadsided on Carly's side. And, you know, we t- we talk many times about television tropes and, and certainly the T-bone is one but again as we often say with travelers i'm okay with it here right serve the purpose yes absolutely yeah and again we've we've seen it before we've seen other yeah like you said they they use the the tropes sometimes and and uh and and like you said it's just sometimes it's good because you you want to tell a story and you you know you just need to get from point a to point b quickly because you got 42 minutes to try and and this, I don't. This isn't really a complete story, even. I would say, right? No, because it's not done. Trevor's no. not right. Trevor's gone, right? Am I at the end? Well, we'll we'll get to that. Okay, so, but okay. so yeah. So you know, sometimes you just gotta say, all right, what's what's the most expedient way for me to to get them into that room? Because that's really what you know. The, the the episode is really them in that room, so we need to get them there quickly and without a lot of fuss. So we're just going to have them get the the shot where all of a sudden the car you see out of the driver's window, the the grill of the truck coming up and t-boning the car, right? And and having seen the car in the in the uh, you know impound lot or whatever that yeah. was, I don't know how she survived. How did she but, get out of there? Yeah, but uh, but as you but said, like it, the, the guys like. They got T-boned by Peterbilt, and the guy was, and McClare was like, what? But then he was like immediately dismissive, like, all right, that that doesn't matter. He didn't know what either term meant. Yeah. So as you said, it gets us from point A to point B quickly. So we see the team minus McLaren, and they've been abducted. Each of them's in a wheelchair inside a locked cage, IVs hooked up to each, and there seems to be water covering the floor, which... I don't know whether that really was meaningful at all or whether it just speaks to the neglect that the building's gone through and that there's a leak in the roof or whatever. I, I happen to think for a while, all right, maybe they're going to put some electricity through the water, right, which is kind of another thinking, yeah. trope that we've seen. But Philip and Marcy are unconscious. Carly's got a concussion. Comms have been cut out of them. And... Yeah. We notice that there are five cages, so it appears they expected McLaren to be with the team. Right. So, all right. Well, a man comes in, wheels out the unconscious Philip. Meanwhile, Marcy comes to, and while they're filling her in, the man returns and takes Carly, leaving Marcy and Trevor. And and I guess this is where Trevor kind of gets, uh, you know, gets his first zingers in. And well, we I like see- he goes, yeah, I didn't catch your name on the way in. I was unconscious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he just delivers see, it with like he's got like that kind of very deadpan style. It's like really good. I like, it. well, he does, and, and and again, we it's interesting because we learned last week that he's by far the oldest of the group, right? So I don't know what that means, but you usually don't think of you know old old people, however old he is, yeah. as being you know having that quick delivery and and you know that many zingers but yeah well but he's able to like be in a different place everyone else is like angry or scared he's the one that's like calm well he's calm right and it's his way of manipulating the situation which again 
speaks to sure. you know, his character a lot. Now, what but, else we learn is that he has spent considerable time hooked up to a catheter in the future. Oh, yes. So my theory <laughs> that somehow they are disembodied beings in the future seems to be not correct. I think we could put that one away. It was ridiculous in oh. the first place, but... Yeah. And what does he say to Carly? You know, don't say anything even remotely suggestive. I'm in a 17 year old's body, yeah. <laughs> and I have a catheter. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so so you know, it's some kind of warehouse. Uh, Carly has a television monitor in her view, and then the words appear: "Who have you told?" And again, as a narrative device, just those those few words on the screen. Again, pretty cool. I, I, I like it, even though we've seen it before. But then, do you know this person? And a photo of Hall appears on the screen. Oh, and, who that, that was Hall, the first one. Yeah. Okay, and, I wasn't and, sure about the first guy. Right. And she says no, but we see where this is headed. Sure. Do they not know who Hall is, or are they trying to figure out whether or not she's going to tell the truth? Yeah. I don't know. And, well, she didn't yeah. tell the truth, so. Well, she saw the photo of McLaren and says no. Then right. a photo of Jeff who she admits is the father of her child. Right. Well, because she's playing off like, you know, like this is Carly Carly, right? Like Carly wouldn't know Hall and she wouldn't know McLaren, but she'd know Jeff. Right. So she's like still trying to, trying to kind of play it out and maintain protocol five. Well, then that begs the question that it's probably not the director because he would know that she knows who McLaren is, right? Right, but unless, as you said, the, the the exercise is to see if she'll tell the truth, you know? Well, we also have rogue teams out there, so is it a rogue team? Yeah, I don't know. I'm so annoyed oh, I don't, you I actually know. know the answers to these, and I don't. I don't think I'm going but, but to have to go watch all the rest of them tonight. Yeah, but I don't know all these answers, to be honest. We, <laughs> well, anyway, we, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. So. I'd be like, like really annoyed, but it's just like, man, at the end of this one, I, I so uh, if it wasn't too late, I would have just gone through and watched the whole rest of this series. I'm so jazzed at the end of this, you know? Right, and like we were saying earlier, we could do that, obviously, but then – we run the risk of wanting to say something during the course of the podcast and not being certain it was in the episode we're supposed to be talking about, or are we right. spoiling something that you guys haven't seen yet? So, well, uh, if if you're listening to this, you probably have seen it because I imagine they've binged the whole series, and yeah, you know. yeah. Well, that's probably true. Good, yeah, good point. All right. So, uh, when are you from? What are the protocols? What is your specialty? So. Then it, it I, I am leaning more and more towards the rogue team because, right. you know, you know, maybe if it turns out that it's a specialty they are in need of, well, you know, who knows what they do right. next. But also because they know about the protocols and they know about that these people have specialties, right? Right. Now, they show her next a photo of her son to which she reacts angrily. And I'm fascinated how quickly she's bonded with this baby, which again, is interesting given the severity of their mission and, and, and the fact that they've been sent from the future to, you know, prevent this, this horrible uh, existence yet. I guess it speaks to the kind of person that Carly really is. So, yeah. Well, and she has, you know, like 
I don't, I mean, she obviously biologically is Carly. There's potential. I mean, we think Carly's consciousness is still in there somewhere. So, yeah, I wonder if that has an impact as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we talked about that a few podcasts back, whether or not things would start to bleed through that, that their consciousness has overridden the actual person, but eventually, you know, will it, you know, not be able to hold and, and will the two start to, to bleed together? So, you know, we don't know at this point, but what we do know is that all four are together momentarily. And, and that's when we see the man give Philip drugs through the IV as he's just on the edge of withdrawal. And Marcy's worried he's going to OD and she's, you know, barking orders about what to do, what not to do. Then she gets wheeled away and they show Marcy, David in his apartment. So whoever's responsible has been bugging his apartment because they have a camera feed. Yes. Right. And then Philip, this is the point that he mentions 2144. Remember the taste of the water recycled so many times it can never be made pure. So I'm going to say, I mean, you know, in, in light of a better piece of information that, that they're from 2144. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I forgot about that part. So yeah. Of course that raises the question, well, what happened to the water? You know, why is it so difficult? Why is it so polluted? Is it radiation? Is it something what could be worse than radiation? We, well, whatever. I mean, we're we're doing a pretty bang up job of of polluting the world now as it is. So, you know, give us another you know hundred and twenty some years, then uh, only imagine the damage we could have done by then. Well, I, I, look, I I don't disagree with you at all. But taking radiation out of the equation, we at least have the technology to filter it and look maybe we have to filter it a couple of times but and maybe i'm maybe i'm dreaming that that it's far worse than than uh i'm giving it credit for being but no, well i i mean it's it's pretty bad now but uh you know yeah I mean, we we kind of tend to you know being both kind of children of the cold war that you know we still imagine the apocalypse happening in a nuclear you know fireball Right. right, that's still my vision of the end of the world. Um, but uh, probably, you know, younger generations would see other, more, um, more pressing threats to the world other than than uh, nuclear annihilation. Well, there is that attacking through the water, right? Precious, right. precious bodily fluids. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> film reference for you guys out there, and I'm not going to tell you what yeah. film. No, nope, you got to go see it once you figure it out. Exactly. But once Philip is administered the second drug, these memories start flooding his mind and they give us a little bit of a view of life and death in the shelters. They're crammed way past capacity. And again, we know so little about when they're from. So we get just a, just a little bit of information here. And, you know, again, like I said, I, I assume it's some kind of, truth serum but phillips wheeled back in and then the questions what's the master plan what is your mission and he answers with famous relevant quotes <laughs> yeah but then he rants about this is how the world ends yep quote and from on, uh, uh, J, uh the wasteland yeah no and then, pro, proof rock proof rock proof rock, proof right. rock. yeah 
And then on the screen, well, how does the world end? And then what is Shelter 41? It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so I completely switch over to what I had said before. Um, this is certainly a team from the future. Well, it might not be, but it really seems like it is because, well, just the whole question, how does the world end, um, especially if they were like maybe an earlier wave or maybe depending on, you know, maybe when they affect things, it changes things so that there's different versions of the world ending depending you know, based on what team affected what in the past. I, I don't know. Oh, man. no. Dude. <laughs> Time travel. I didn't, I didn't, uh, yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> it's kind of what they're doing. Yeah. So I guess we have to throw that out there. Wow. I hadn't really thought about that. Oh, now my <laughs> head hurts. Yeah. All right. Um, well, that's, but, you know, again, we said a million times, this is precisely what we love about genre shows. Like, sure. You know, so Trevor is finally taken out, and it's like, oh, God, thank God. So he'll finally shut up about <laughs> them not picking him. <laughs> right. And he's placed in front of a television that he points out as a CRT. Did you know you can't even give those things away anymore? <laughs> I, I, I got some perfectly operational CRT TVs. Goodwill won't take them. I finally had to have my trash removal guys take on i believe the note on there works perfectly here's the remote i taped the remote to the top of it so yeah I don't know what they did. that's almost everything that i have that is like not necessarily you know like i want to get rid of it, but it's not broken i just put it out by the sidewalk and it's usually gone that day so yeah so he gets the standard when are you from why are you here but then he gets the what is your age right yeah and then he says, well, technically, I'm an old soul. Right. Yeah, he says, like, 18, but I'm an old soul. Right, yeah. So where'd that come from? You know, so they well, throw we know so many- old, right? Well, we do, but the, the people that are holding them. Yeah. How do they know that know. he's old? So did they know who he really is? I, maybe. It, because it seems like, I mean, obviously, each person's interrogation- they they kind of go for like it, it's very individualized instruction here as, as we say in 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 the teaching biz right um, but you know each in interrogation they're not the same questions for each person and they all like are kind of pick at um, you know like they show Marcy the picture of of Philip you know getting shot they know that'll affect her they show Carly her son they know that'll affect her you know. Um, I don't really think Trevor is super affected by the, the line of questioning because he's still so like kind of calm and objective about the whole thing. But Right. They, and, and I think it's clear why they brought him in last. Right. Right. Because they, they probably they're not really going to get anything out of him. If, if the point is to get anything out of him in the first place. I mean, we really have no idea why they're there, what the point of this is, who's doing it. Like we, we know absolutely nothing about this. Right. And, and, you know, we talked about the acting in this episode when she sees what she thinks is Philip being shot. I mean, she's horrified. And, and you, you're thinking at this point, what is that going to do to her? Is that going to be the event that breaks Marcy? And then she returns and sees he's alive. And, it, and it's almost this look of disbelief right. that, that they have to convince her. No, 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 he's fine. He's right here. 
Let's these kids today, man. They just see something on TV and they think it's true. All right. Well, I, I, there are some things I see on TV that I wish I could unsee. And when Carly yeah. tells them, okay, I have a plan. Uh, it's a you might, not, you might not like it. <laughs> it's slightly insane, but and it's a plan. <laughs> clearly the most gruesome act of the series. Yeah. So she bites through his wrist, yeah. which at first, well, she kept going. She, she clearly kills him because somebody comes in and, you know, does the fingers on the neck to find the pulse. Well, thing they, and, and, yeah. When, uh, when McLaren shows up later, like, uh, uh, officer Boyd is like, he's been dead for days. Well, that then leads us right into the search for the missing team uh, because, you know, McLaren has been out of touch. Nobody's answering their comms. How long can he go forgetting his password at work, forgetting to show up for a court date? Yeah. You know, all of these little details about an FBI agent's job that are not really that little. How long is he going to go before he bangs his wife? Well, (laughs) (laughs) these are all details, man. (laughs) They are, but, but I was going to say his wife's not as smart as Forbes, but I don't know that that's necessarily true, but we certainly know Forbes has seen one red flag after another raised and you wonder when it's going to be one too many. So now speaking of red flags, While I've said a number of times, David is not my favorite character, the role he plays in the show is integral. I mean, we have to have David. Yeah, you need a douchebag. Well, I, I, as much as I dislike him. He poured two glasses of wine. He hadn't (laughs) talked to her all day. So he's such like a sad sack, man. Like he makes dinner, poured two glasses of wine, and he's just sitting there like, like, it just, uh, man, he just, and like WTF, like, like this is definitely not a social worker client relationship anymore. Like David has gone over the edge. He's so, gone. He's, he is jumped into inappropriate land with both feet. So you're ready to cut the DB. Yes. <laughs> okay. Another inside joke, yeah. which if you check out the Facebook group, Maybe I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Did you put it? It's not in the group though. I could, no. I could, I could put it up there. Yeah, fun. it's okay. <laughs> Maybe other people get. I, I was well, surprised. I thought that would get more uh, more play. The people would think but, it's funny, but I think maybe like I, I was seeing something that other people weren't. Right. But I mean, the bottom line, as you said, it, it, it shows and reinforces the fact that he has feelings for her and that they're getting stronger. So you start to think, well, what kind of feelings did he have for? Her? when she was intellectually challenged. I mean, did the romantic feelings begin immediately after the transformation? That seems kind of not likely, which then means that he did have feelings for her when she was intellectually challenged, which as again, you've said on a number of occasions is, you know, pretty creepy. Yep. Inappropriate, creepy. There's all kinds of adjectives for it, but none of them are good. Yep. So now, having fallen asleep on the couch, David goes to see McLaren the next falls morning. Asleep on the couch, like, David. It's your apartment, bro. You got a bed. Come on, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> all right. Well, despite all of that, it was nice to see David do the smart thing, which is to go to see McLaren. It immediately pushes McLaren into action, 
And then that's when he realizes it all for offline. But at least he's in search mode at this point. And then he he tasks one of his co-workers to, you know, hack into the NSA mainframe to search for his team. And, and, and she's like, again, I did this for you. And, you know, eventually I'm going to get caught. And, and it's again, it's one of those details that in real life, the real McLaren would probably not be so brazen as to have somebody hack into the NSA mainframe. Right. I wouldn't he's think. panicked and he's desperate, right? And he's just, yep. and he curses at her too. He cursed well, he does. At two different people today. He, he cursed at the guy in the, in the impound lot and he cursed at the, the poor lady at the computer. Yeah. So he's, um, he's just really, really stressed. Like he has no patience for anybody. Right. And, and certainly the idea is their, their facial recognition software is what he's hoping will, will give him a lead on their whereabouts. So he leaves the building and there's David waiting for him outside. Yeah. And, I, and I love the, uh, the, th- the thing about, uh, him noticing that David rides a bike. Oh, so you have, she has been talking about me. No, no, you've got your pants tucked into your right sock. You yeah. nerd. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, more more of David is a tool, right? Like, it, what, like really? He says, "Well, I'm going to come along and help you." It's like, uh, really? Uh, are you David? Are you really David? You're going to help out the FBI guy? You, social worker, going to help out the FBI guy? Okay, we'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's like and he waited. He waited out there, like expecting that he was going to, you know, be like get the buddy up on this mission with McLaren. Now, you know, we talked before about him going to the lot and, and taking a look at the van, which looks really bad in retrospect, but I was a little surprised that he went to see Officer Boyd again. I mean, on the one hand, I wasn't. On the other hand, I'm wondering at what point is she just going to have to do something drastic? I don't know what that would be. I mean, she reminds him of Protocol 6. But then she alerts him to the fact that they may have been taken out of the equation, which we know what that means, even though we've never heard it before. Right. And that's pretty drastic. Well, and, and she's basically saying, like, well, you know, you know, how bad have you effed up, right? <laughs> like, you know, like, because we have no idea because they are here in the present. Directors are in the future and they have the directors want to have the long view. So, yeah, we just. Yeah, you know, but is this a red herring? Because she points out that the director is probably displeased, even though he's still focused on the mission, and tells him, "Look, I'll help you if you get a real lead." But it's more likely that the mission's not in his, meaning McLaren's, hands any longer. Right, but yeah, because that's the ironic thing. If this is the director, well, he gave them a mission, or she, the director, gave them a mission that was canceled. Because uh, McLaren's team got captured. Well, so that's true. Why, if if the director is behind the kidnapping of his team, why would the director give them a mission and then make it impossible for them to carry out? You know. Yeah. So well, that's true. Um. So you know the uh, now, now you mentioned about Trevor. I mean, and and. and I guess I'm still a little fuzzy on what happens. I mean, we, we, the final scene, we're on the roof of the building and, and McLaren meets the team that arrived at the beginning of the episode in their helicopter that we assume they bought with their racetrack winnings. Yeah. 
tells them the mission's canceled. And then in his office, McLaren gets a hit on their location and then with Boyd goes to rescue the team. And then Marcy wonders if this was all about the mission, you know, the, the whole captivity thing. But I, I mean, I forget what happens to Trevor. He's not there. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I went back and watched it again because his cage was right to the, the right of Carly, right? Okay. Yeah. And that cage is empty at the end. Okay. Which as the camera is kind of, and it's tough because it's, it's, it's really dark and it's very, very confusing. And it's just if it, like Netflix is just such a pain in the ass to rewind on it's because it, it's just, it is, if, if you have Netflix, you know, what I'm talking about, but, um, so like I went back and watched it once and still like, I don't, I don't see Trevor there. I think he's gone. Oh, wow. You know, but they don't comment on it but then i don't know it was just so, and i don't remember it's just so confusing at the end there because it just like you know it goes like the show just like ends like really quickly you know like mclaren figures out where they are and about two minutes later you know after which actually they probably could have cut down on the scenes of him and boyd walking through the entire warehouse or compound or whatever so I guess we get to see it kind of in reverse order, you know, uh, and then and then boom, they're there. We find out they've been gone for three days, and but I, I'm pretty sure Trevor's not there. Okay, I might have to well, go ahead and watch it again tonight. Just okay. <laughs> go back well, and watch that last scene again. Well, regardless, th- there's a lot that's dropped in our laps in this episode. Uh, you know, many details that. When I say have to be followed up, I mean, I guess they don't have to be, but then why did you throw them out there? Well, yeah, well, especially you got the showrunner right in this one. You know, you know, this is an important episode. Sure. Uh, well, okay. Anything that, that you're remembering that I've forgotten that you want to throw mm. out there? Um, the Shelter 41, we didn't really talk about much, but that's an important kind of detail from the future. Oh, right. And, and the only thing we really know about these shelters is that, you know, that the, the, the people were crammed in, that, that Marcy lost her brother in a shelter. When I say lost, it sounds like, you know, may have just been separated. And, and in fact, that's what she's hoping as opposed to that, that he was killed. But are they under some kind of attack? Is it bombing? Is it, you know, some sort of of chemical warfare is it you know something even worse i don't know yeah well but, the the 41 is he tells the story of the the shelter that collapsed and all kinds of people died right in it, right so i mean but we it's just yeah we get like a little bit more of what life in the future is is like which then you know kind of makes you understand why they would volunteer for a mission like this, right? If because the future sounds like really not, you know, just a place you really would love to get out of, you know. Right. So then uh, again, you, you know, it's funny because unlike Continuum, which really gave us, you know, a, a continuous look at what things were like in the future. Well, it starts off in the future, right? It, right, and that that I don't want to say every episode, but many episodes gave us at least a glimpse and filled in, you know, a, a few details here and there so that we had a pretty good idea fairly early on of what the future was like. So 
Travelers is taking it from a different angle, which is great. You yeah. know? Yeah. It was going to really make cool. us wait. Just don't make us wait too long. <laughs> right. Right. So, but I like, at I least like we, what they're doing. Yeah, I do too. I like at least we know we got, a, we got a season two. Right. Oh, do we know that? Yeah. Cool. So. All right. Well, I guess that'll wrap this up. As we said at the top of the show, we're, we're both giving this episode a solid A. You know, the, the, the show, to say that it got off kind of slowly isn't really fair. I, mean, I think we both gave it B pluses the first two weeks, but then boom, right? Episode three, high gear, pedal yeah, to the metal. It is definitely the last two episodes have really, really picked up and it's been, you know, much like I said, yeah, not to disparage the first episodes. And we, we've talked about this before. A pilot is a pilot, and there's things it has to accomplish. So it's not necessarily going to move necessarily great steps forward with the actual narrative of the, the season arc or whatever. But, um, but man, they're really hitting their stride now. And yeah, and just, you know, my using the, the phrase pedal to the metal, I mean, yet an episode like tonight's, which was really fairly introspective still you know it, it was just a, a, again just pedal to the metal yep i'll leave it at that so yeah. all right well we want to thank you for joining us tonight we'd love to hear from you with follow-ups about you know the librarians which was we've said many times we know is coming back at the end of the year uh, any of the travelers episodes we've been talking about anything you think we should be watching like to encourage you to join the facebook group if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. We'll be back next week to discuss Season 1, Episode 6 of Travelers, titled Helios 685. But until then... Hey, you know what, Dave, this is funny because I just got, like a, I just got a tweet from uh, Ron D. Moore, right? It says, Dear Dave and Wayne, I'm, I'm really going to take it personally if you don't pick me next time. <laughs>